Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. This is Amanda and I'm running solo here for this intro because you guessed it, poor Marie, the school year has begun and she's got all kinds of weird things going on with her health. And, you know, she didn't really sound that great. So we didn't want to put you guys through the torture of listening to poor Marie suffer through talking on the podcast today to give an intro. But I can say with my whole heart that Marie and I are both so incredibly thrilled to bring you today's interview. Today is an interview with the one and only Anna Perez. Anna is an incredible friend, a listener of the podcast, and recently was one of the incredible teachers that I had the joy of coaching. And so after Anna and I finished our coaching experience, I had mentioned to her like, you know, I really think we should share this unit with listeners. They would be ecstatic to hear how everything turned out. So we finished coaching, Anna taught her unit, summer came, Marie and I both got to see her in Chicago and hang out and do like adult things. And it was just so much fun. So I know Marie is very sad to not be here to say out loud for the record how much she adores Anna, um, but she absolutely does. And I do too. But let me take a minute to introduce you all to Anna so you know what her story is, what her deal is before we get into the interview and you can figure out exactly how much your story 
overlaps with Anna's. Anna has been teaching for 10 years. I believe this is actually year 11 for her. And she is into so many things other than just teaching. She loves poetry, Zumba. She loves to do things with tech and resource creation. Anna is an up and coming TPT superstar. And I'm going to be sharing some of her freebies and some of her paid products with you today um, in the show notes. And during our interview, you'll hear about some of the things that she's up to. And in the classroom, she's really the go-to person for relationships first, relationships over content. And outside of her classroom, she is working hard to help other teachers foster those meaningful relationships with their students. She believes so deeply about bringing in a way for students to cope with mental health crises and, and teachers too. This is a really important thing for her. And I think that you guys will very much get along with Anna virtually um, in this in this interview. Um, one of the things that Anna's really good at is focusing on how to help students be both challenged and stretched beyond their comfort zones, but also ensuring that they feel seen, heard, and understood. You know, directly from Anna, they are human first and students second. I'm going to invite all of you to check out her growing small business that I mentioned earlier, Simply Anna P. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I'm going to say Anna, and I've said this to Anna a thousand times. I am, how would you say, uh, ruined? Ruined by two pandemic years of watching Frozen with my toddlers that I can't even see the letters A-N-A without thinking Anna. And this is my friend Anna. She knows and I know her. (laughs) And I'm sorry for saying it wrong, but it's like one of those like visual cues that I just get wrong. Oh my gosh. Anna, Anna, Anna. Simply Anna P. This is her biz. You can find her on TikTok, on Instagram, like I said, on TPT, on her website. She's got blog posts, all kinds of things that are ready for you to to digest, consume, and obsess over. I think you are going to love this interview. And what you've all been waiting for is what the heck we're going to even talk about. This interview is going to give you everything you need to know about how to plan a paired text unit. Yes, at long last, you finally get to hear about Frankenstein. Yay. I've obsessed so hard over Frankenstein since we planned this almost a year ago. And this interview is the result. This is the result of the Frankenstein punching the air mashup, as Anna likes to call it. This is a mashup in all of the best ways that things can be mashed. We took a classic, we took a novel in verse, we took issues of justice and villains and monsters and smashed them all together with the contemporary feel of punching the air and also the the lasting classic of Frankenstein. I feel like there's a fashion metaphor here, you know, like we've got something super edgy on, but like classic pearls, right? To compliment. Um, this is, this is a really beautiful walkthrough of that unit so that you can actually envision how this could look in your own classroom. Even if you're not using the same texts, even if you're going in a completely different direction, structurally, it's kind of hard to vision out what does a two novel or two text unit actually look like. So without further ado, this interview is going to give you exactly that. And I encourage you all, please, at the end of the episode, head to the show notes, follow Anna, check out her free download that she's going to give to you today. And you are going to be glad you did. All right, everyone, here's the interview. 
You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome back from the music. We are here today and ready to go talking about a monster of a unit, no pun intended, actually. <laughs> and my dear, wonderful friend, Anna Perez is here. Anna, say hi to everyone. Hey, y'all. What is up? I'm excited to be here today. You know, as an avid listener of this podcast, and I've shared many laughs while listening to you guys on my way to work or on my way home and just gotten so many ideas. So it's definitely, I feel very honored to be on this podcast today. Yes, we're so happy to have you. Anna, can you let the fine people of the Bravely Teaching Podcast community know a little bit about who you are, your teaching story, what you've been up to? Give yourself a little introduction. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Anna Perez. I have been teaching high school English for nine years. I'm going into my 10th year. And my story was a little bit unconventional. I mean, I when I was a student in high school, I dropped out of high school. I was flunking like all my classes. Matter of fact, I barely graduated with like a 2.0. I was not into school at all. I had like, you know, other things going on and I just wasn't into it. And I really didn't feel like teachers cared anyway, except for like one teacher. So I didn't care. But then I don't know, somehow college led me back to teaching and kids. And, and I said to myself, you know what, I want to be the person that I needed when I was younger in a classroom setting. I want to ruffle feathers. I want to change things up and bring to education a lot of things that I feel are sometimes missing or have been missing for a long time. So I kind of dove right into it. And my first year was an absolute disaster. Like, tragic. <laughs> it was tragic. Um, but like I feel many of us can relate to that. Oh, yes. But- <laughs> but over the years, I, I fell in love with, you know, teaching and being in the classroom and working with kids. And the past couple of years, I've actually started my teacherpreneur journey, just kind of creating resources and posting them for other teachers online so they could also use in their classrooms and just show them that you can be creative and think outside the box and do fun things with high school kids because they're just big kids um, while still, you know, teaching them important lessons and getting through content. And so now I've just been, you know, kind of working on that and it's summertime. So I'm excited to be making new content while at the same time relaxing for next year. But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. And where where are you? So like on the map, where can we find you? So I am in South Carolina right now, but that's very new to me. Very new. <laughs> I didn't ever think I'd actually be here. I was born and raised in New York, New York. So Queens Jackson Heights is like my birthplace. But I lived for a long time in Miami. So I consider myself a Miami girl. And then I just moved here last year. So I don't know if I'll be here for a long time, but I just wanted to change. And so, okay, so I always like to ask, because it's just so interesting, like the geography of our listenership. And I think sometimes when we have conversations on the podcast, a lot of them like vary by geography. So East Coast experiences, it sounds like a lot of yours was East Coast, but like all over are just so different, whether it's timing or bell schedules and the way that things are just put together. That's awesome. Okay, so South Carolina girl recently, but also all over the place. I know, I just see everything of you doing on Instagram just seems like you have a very fun life. Is your life fun outside of school? Can you actually enjoy your life? 
Yes, you can enjoy your life, but it took me a while to get here. So remember how I said my first year was like a complete disaster? I'm not going to lie. Those first couple of years, I really struggled with work-life balance. Like I feel that I was just dead. I would come home from work and just want to die on the couch or my bed and didn't want to do anything else. My first few years, I used to blow off my friends a lot, like going out. Like I specifically remember like one of my friends used to get so mad at me because I would tell her like, no, I'll be out there. I promise I'm coming out. And then I would just fall asleep. And then I, I, they would be like, what's wrong with you? You don't want to come out anymore. But it's just so, as you all know, like it's, it's mentally and emotionally and physically exhausting and there's nothing else like it. I've never been in any career or seen any career that's like it. And so it really takes a toll. And I had to learn, I'd say over the, like the last five years, especially how to make sure because it's something you have to prioritize, um, some type of balance. And so within the last couple of years, I've been able to balance that more. And yes, I I love going on, you know, trips with my girlfriends and hanging out and partying. And I'm Latina. So I love, you know, the party life and the dance life and all that jazz. But um, I've been able to find out like, yes, I can still work and get things done. And yes, I can still be an effective teacher. But yes, I can still have an outside life. And it's important too, because at the end of the day, you know, this is just a job. And we are not here to talk about work-life balance, but like, it's something that I feel like we have to consistently bring to the forefront of every conversation, because even as you and I are about to embark on this like pretty deep dive into unit planning and curriculum, I I think it's important to start with the fact that we're people first. And you and I happen to be very connected on this front of like being very energized and filled by teaching itself, like developing curriculum, writing resources, but it's so hard to pull yourself out of that world, especially when you have friends who don't get it, who aren't teachers. And I have inadvertently, you know, lost a lot of friendships that way. And I can't turn back the clock. And, you know, I've been, I'm what, 36, 37 now. And it's like making friends is like a whole nother world. So I'm glad we diverged into that a little bit because it's so important and everyone will be very excited to follow you on Instagram too, because you're living the life girl. I'm just like (laughs) envious. Okay. So Anna and I, I have to tell our listeners, we met about a year, almost a year ago now, which is crazy. (laughs) You reached out for some coaching help in, I believe it was October or maybe a little bit, maybe September, October. Mm-hmm. And we chatted there for a while. And so we coached together. And so this is the first time I think on the podcast, I've had one of my coaching graduates come on and kind of talk <laughs> about their experience. And I'd love for you to share a little bit, Anna, about your the time we spent together, but then really the episode is going to be more about the result and like what you actually did in the classroom way beyond what we did. Um, but would you mind sharing a little bit about like how that went for you in the coaching experience? Yeah, for sure. I've loved, I've always loved your resources and your style. You know, you have like this energy that's captivating, you know, and I've enjoyed watching, you know, you grow over the years too. And when you sent out that coaching message, I was like, you know what, it came at such a perfect time. And I truly believe that like everything happens in its right time. And Mm -hmm. I had been wanting to create this unit but I was scared <laughs> a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I was scared and, and I wanted someone with like a little bit more expertise than me, especially making sure that I did it really, really well thought out. And I was really intentional from like front to back and, and back to front. So 
I'm, I'm just so grateful because you, you showed me how to backwards plan, which is something that my ADHD mind sometimes forgets to do <laughs> because I'm the type of creator. I'll, I'll be just sitting there watching TV or like at the gym and I'll be like, oh my God, I want to make this. And then I'll just like want to sit there for hours creating. But sometimes it's hard for me to sit down ahead of time and say, you know what, in the next three months, I want to do X yeah. and then let me plan from X till now so I can make sure I hit all the spots. So I really appreciated you helping me, you know, guide me in creating that type of calendar and sticking to it and deciding, you know what, we can keep this, but we can take this out. And what days will be preventing XYZ from happening and what days can we focus on close reading? And then um, something else you really helped me with was learn that close reading doesn't have to be five, six pages, <laughs> which I was trying to We went through that struggle together. Yes, I um, I remember I would, you'd be like, okay, send me what you want for the close read. And I'm like, okay, sure. And I sent you like six pages and you're like, girl, we got to cut this down. This is too much. And looking back at it, I'm like, you're probably right. Because just in like the two or three paragraphs that you, you ended up cutting it to, we took an entire class period. So I, I like, know you did. <laughs> I'm so happy you taught me how to like, just take like literally the most important things for close reads. And I wouldn't have been able, I don't think to do this unit without you because I needed I needed the guidance I needed uh, the support right and and someone to be like yes do this unit it will be great and it's not just some crazy idea you know you came up with on a whim so yeah um, I'm very grateful oh you. well it was so much fun working with you you know and on, on my side you know I'm so invigorated by the ideas like you are an idea person and so mm-hmm. many of my teachers who come for coaching are right in that same spot like they have big ideas, big ambitions, but like putting it all together or having another person to sit next to you and do it is just something that they don't have. And, or someone who's on the same path as you. And so I'm so glad you reached out because you had such a unique idea. Um, and that's really what I want us to talk about today is your idea of pairing some difficult texts together. So like we actually started looking more at your whole year, all of the things that you had, and then we kind of narrowed it down to focus on what we ended up doing. And we kind of did that in a few ways. So if you guys are thinking about coaching with me, what I'm so excited about this particular interview is that Anna and I worked together for, you know, six weeks on and off, like kind of over the course of, you know, over winter break and then into the winter more. But now you're like this beautiful butterfly out on your own, like, you know, and that's what coaching is, right? It's that support in the moment when you need it so that you can then go do it, recreate it, uh, make it different for the next year and do what you got to do and have the support. So we went the direction of Frankenstein, which everyone has heard me rave about Frankenstein. And that's because of you. Uh, <laughs> I don't even have my own unit on Frankenstein, but I do have a huge love for it now because of you and the way that you paired it punching the air. I talked about this in the intro. Anna created a unit that covered a classic text, a film of that text, and a YA novel in verse. One unit. It's incredible. And I think that this is something that we've heard about in Instagram world, we've heard about in the podcast, but I don't think anyone's ever seen it done. And so that's what I'm going to charge you with today, Anna, is to like (laughs) walk us through like first, like your, the way that you conceptualized it, right? Like how did you dream it up? What does that calendar look like to get through that much content in a reasonable amount of time? And then how did it go? So what, let's start with that. Let's start with the beginning, the dream, the calendar, how did that all kind of begin for you? 
I read Punch in the Air 2021, I remember. And I was, well, I love poetry. I've always been a huge poetry person. Novel and verses are always like top tier for me. And it was quickly one of my favorite, favorite books. And I said, I want to use this in the classroom, but I can't use it by itself. I want to use it with something else to be able to use it the way I wanted it to. And I thought of Frankenstein. I told you guys earlier how high school, you know, I I basically flunked out. Um, But, and I didn't read anything for any of my English classes except Frankenstein. I remember reading Frankenstein and crying. That was like the first book I ever cried reading. And it just came back to me. Why? Why was I so emotionally charged in that book? Was this, Well, some of the same reasons I was so emotionally charged was Punch in the Air. And so it just kind of like hit me. Okay, we can do this. I want to do classic and contemporary. And not only that, but I'm so tired of only covering text in the classroom written by men. And so to remember that Frankenstein was written by a woman, I said, this is perfect. <laughs> and like, let's make it happen. And then I started thinking of, you know, the themes that tie it together the the whole monster idea, which you helped me come up with, you know, the essential questions behind it. And then we just kind of ran with it and created the schedule only keep. And I remember because I teach semester long <laughs> classes, we had to cut like a lot of stuff and just keep the most important things, which again, I struggle with because I want to do everything yeah. <laughs> under the sun. Um, but once we narrowed it down to like the most important things, then I started thinking of like, okay, if I can't cover everything in the world under this unit, what can I cover? What else can I add for supplementals? And I also had thought of other books I read with similar themes to PTA, like Just Mercy or even Stamped. And I started to think like, okay, I'm going to pull from here. I'm going to pull from here. I'm going to pull from here. And I want to present this to my kids in a way where I'm not telling them what to think. That's never my goal. I want to expose them to different ways of thinking and see what they come up with. And what was the essential question that we landed on exactly? Do you have it there in front of you? Yes, I do. Are monsters born or made? And then I ended up adding a second one because we ended up doing, of course, PTA, but it ended up hitting around Poetry Month because it was around April where we finished it. So I did Are Monsters Born or Made? And then I introduced the second one, How Can Words Harm and Heal? Because I felt like both of those questions. And so their final essays, they were actually, they were able to pick one. Uh, And a lot of them were like, ooh, we're stuck. We don't know which one to write about because both of them apply well to both stories, uh, which was the goal. So just seeing them, you know, connect with those questions really made me feel like this was worth it. It did what it needed to do. Oh my gosh. And that's, I do, I do remember that now because we stole that from Marie. That's Marie's question. We stole (laughs) and happily and quickly. We just, this is it. Well, because that was the magical, I think moment for both of us was thinking about this idea of a monster and Mm -hmm. how that's been used to villainize young black men in punching here and then how that's used to villainize Frankenstein. And so that I, and I'm really curious to see how that went over with your students, because in my imagination, like in coaching you and envisioning this unit, I am, I envisioned that being what made a classic novel contemporary, made the conversation contemporary and made that challenging text interesting and accessible. Do you feel like the EQ helped make Frankenstein more accessible for students? Definitely. And definitely like all the supplementals did as well. Anytime I would introduce, like I had them watch The Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, while we while we read Frankenstein so they could click, get those connections. So and I believe and I've said this before, I believe in teaching the classics. Sure. I mean, not all of them. Some of them just need to be out. Oh, yeah. Know, totally. But but there are some there. That they're that so valuable and some texts that are, are so beautifully written that we can do them with students. But we're in a different generation now. And why not? 
bring it to their level to something that they can understand and something that they actually want to connect with. And as times change, like this can be done with so many different types of pairings. So take me through then. Okay. So I love this. The essential question worked really well. It kind of, it was that arc that held the two texts together. You moved at a pretty fast pace. We talked a little bit about close reading was, was a a cornerstone of those units. The supplementals, you had mentioned them a little bit before we started recording and a little bit just now too. How did supplementals play an important role in this unit? And like, right, like how did you decide what to pause and talk about and what to bring in? I think, like I said, supplementals helped with context for kids. They also helped break up the monotony of the unit. So of course, like reading Frankenstein, reading Frankenstein, reading Frankenstein, Yes, the kids enjoy the story overall, you know, especially like once we we broke it down together, but it becomes monotonous after a while. And I didn't want to just jump into straight into reading something else, even though to me, PTA is the most exciting thing in the world, but to a whole bunch of 16 year olds, it's probably not. (laughs) So I said, we need something to break up this monotony, but also something to still add value. In addition, I did two seminars uh, with this class, two Socratic seminars with this class. And so I wanted other things for them to pull from when I would ask them certain questions during the seminar. And so I knew that Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson was a text that paired so beautifully to this, but I couldn't do an entire third novel. They would kill me and I didn't have time. (laughs) We don't want that. We don't want that. (laughs) So I said, let me pick out, you know, an excerpt from one of his chapters. And I ended up picking out an excerpt, I believe it's from chapter 15, where he talks about brokenness and how brokenness connects all of us, because we've all felt broken at some point in time. But sometimes, you know, society decides to kind of villainize the broken and and just do away with them instead of helping them heal. And so I felt that that excerpt was just so powerful to connect both Frankenstein again and uh, punch in the air. Hunchback was to conceptualize like Frankenstein in a different way. And then I did Monster on Netflix. I really wanted to do When They See Us, but that's a little heavy uh, for some teens. So I told them just at the end, you know, I suggested other things they could watch if they were interested in this unit, but we just did, we ended up doing Monster, which, you know, fit the bill for the most part. And then I looked online under some, I don't have the, I wish I had paper. I'll give it to you for your show notes. (laughs) But there was, I wanted to also cover, especially when we did like Punch in the Air and Just Mercy, I wanted to get a little deeper into important information, things that are relevant in the world today, and especially vocabulary that they should know, right? So instead of focusing on vocabulary from the texts, like here, the 20 vocab words they need to memorize, I decided to focus on vocabulary that I think everyone should know about. So I presented them with a paper that had microaggressions and it went through the gambit from physical disabilities, which was important to connect back to Frankenstein, which one of the kids actually brought up during our Socratic seminars, which I was so excited about. Did you, you know, cry a little bit when they made that connection? I did. You know, I during the seminars, I teared up reading their final products, their summatives. I teared up because they... They just did such a beautiful job, and and I love that they were able to connect the pieces that I was trying for them to use. And then I gave them an art, another article that defined bias, racism, white privilege, stereotyping, and kind of differences between all of them because sometimes people use them, you know, incorrectly or interchangeably. So 
those were the supplementals. And then I just kind of sprinkled them throughout to break up the monotony of reading the text. So real, so if I can paint another picture, so everything you're saying is, I mean, you are like reading the Bible written by brave new teaching. So I'm very proud. Um, (laughs) You've got, you've had this essential question that performed the arc. And from that question, you were able to not only thematically connect the big text, but pull those conceptual ideas and like using, like you're describing conceptual ideas as vocabulary chefs freaking kiss. <laughs> well, and, and it's, and it's research-based. I mean, we talk about this all the time with Robert Marzano. He's, you know, he's an old dead white dude who did a bunch of educational research, but a lot of his research led to this idea that vocabulary can't be taught in isolation. Vocabulary needs to be taught repeatedly in multiple contexts, lots of experience, especially to our struggling, reluctant readers. And when we choose arbitrary words, it's very hard to do that authentically. But when we choose conceptual vocab, like microaggression Mm -hmm. or white supremacy, or like these kinds of idea based vocabulary, we kind of have this thought that like, well, kids just know what those are because they're things that exist in the world. But I'm sure as you're explaining, that's not the case. And they they ha- they need time to work through those ideas. You know, Anna, how did that, you know, feel for you as a teacher, you know, kind of tackling some of these really sensitive topics in the day and age that we're in? I mean, how did that feel for you? Funny enough that your podcast is called Brave New Teaching because the, the thing I told myself the most was I have to be brave. I have to be brave. I'm standing in front of a group of 24, 99% white students in a conservative town. And I want them to learn what microaggressions are, but I don't want them to feel like I'm talking at them, which is never, you know, what I want my students to feel. And I remember literally, I handed out the papers, I took a deep breath while facing my interactive display board. And I turned around and I said, all right, y'all, let me give you guys like once two minutes to read through this paper. And then like, let me see if you have any questions. But I had to be brave. I was scared out of my mind for some parts. I didn't know how they would take it, if I would get parent complaints, if I would. But I knew that I had to be brave because if we are not brave in our classrooms in this climate of our time period, we are doing a disservice to the children. And I know for a fact that not all of my you know, students agree that a microaggression is real, right? Even after the, the unit. But at least they've heard the word and at least I expose them to new information. And to me, that is invaluable. If, if just that they got to this unit, that they were exposed to this information, new information, new ways of thinking, even if they still didn't agree with it at the end, at least they were exposed and they can't say that they didn't know. You know, like they never heard of this before. Again, they can't ever say that again. And so I feel like the job was done. And I feel like what you did too, and I don't even know if you're really like consciously aware of this, because I think, you know, me sitting here listening to you is like, I have such a privilege to listen to you process because I'm seeing all of the things come together. You also didn't do this. And I feel like this is a mistake I would have made as a young teacher is I would have felt that conviction as well to address these concepts. But I feel like what I might have done is address them kind of nakedly, you know, like kind of out of the blue or try to like get them in somewhere. And what you actually did, which is so much more impactful, both from a social standpoint and a learning standpoint is that they were couched in your unit and your texts. Mm -hmm. Microaggressions didn't just stand on its own. It's just one of your many examples. didn't stand on its own. It stood next to Frankenstein and the monster. It stood next to, right. The, your characters going through that experience and punching the air. And, and so students didn't have to necessarily look at themselves. 
You didn't put mm-hmm. them in a position where they had to do self-reflecting. I mean, some of them, like you said, are not either not mature enough to do that or are not just ready to receive that in their own lives, but they still had the opportunity to do that in the context of your text. Did you see that being helpful in your bravery and moving forward? Yes, um, especially during, like like I said, the last Socratic seminar we did, I remember, you know, the kids were a little uncomfortable and I told them from the jump, I said, this is difficult. This is difficult work. If you feel uncomfortable right now, there is nothing wrong with that. But just for you to sit here today and if all you did was listen, then that's all I can ask you to do. And I'm proud of you. And I had to like remind them like, because they're just kids, you know, they're they're kids and kids kids can handle a lot, but at the same time, they're just kids. Um, So I wanted them to know that again, like you said, if they were just listening, that's okay. And if, if they didn't agree with things, that's okay. But as long as they were, you know, receiving information and just being open to it. And another thing I did during this unit that I think really helped was breaking up the heaviness, right? So it's very easy for this type of unit to become very heavy or very solemn at point. And at points it was because it needed to be. But in between that, like I literally put on the Frankenstein movie, the original one, because if y'all haven't seen it, it's the cringiest movie ever made. (laughs) And my kids just died laughing like for two days, like at how terrible that movie is, like how just bad acting, bad everything. Um, But they were laughing. And when we did like different activities, like at the end of Frankenstein, before we started PTA, we did like a goose chase scavenger hunt-esque type of activity one of the challenges was literally like go frolic in the in the woods like victor frankenstein would and so they would record themselves frolicking (laughs) and there was just (laughs) many times i would break it up to the point where i made sure there was laughter we're covering a lot of heavy stuff and i want them to like reflect and be serious at certain points and feel things at certain points or at least be exposed to certain feelings but at the same time, I want them to laugh and to have fun. And so balancing all those things, I felt like almost putting a puzzle together. But I'm just, I feel just so grateful that it came out the way that I that I imagined it would. Uh, okay, so I have a couple of like rapid fire-ish types of questions to wrap us up because I, I think we could talk about this forever. Everyone who's listening, I am going to make sure that in the show notes you have access to everything that Anna has in the universe about this unit. Um, she's got stuff on TPT. She's got stuff, you know, uh, we'll, we'll link to all the places on her TikTok, on Instagram, wherever she's talked about it. I will have links for you in the show notes. You can go reach out to her directly. Um, I will make sure that you have that. Um, but a couple of just like really quick, like logistical questions. How long did it actually take and what kind of bell schedule were you working with? Okay, so we had planned, I think, for six weeks. Yes. Did we plan for six or eight weeks? I don't remember. I think we said six, kind of. Okay. <laughs> I think I ended up, okay. I think I ended up taking eight. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's not I too bad, though. Eight weeks. And uh, the thing is that it took up the majority of the semester. I teach on semester-based this year. I'm actually, and I forgot to mention this earlier, but just real quick, I have taught at public schools, private schools, charter schools. Title one schools, rich, richie schools, all, all in between and different bell schedules. So the bell schedule I love most, 50 minutes. I love that bell schedule. Me too. All class 50 minutes. This year was my first year in a very long time doing 90 minute schedules. And okay. oof, that was a lot. But so that's what I was working with and just for the semester. So I only had them from, I think, the end of January through the end of May. And that's including, you know, spring break and all the little days in between. But I think it took eight weeks total. Eight weeks. Okay. So it was meaty. 
But would you, if you did it again, would you, would you shorten it or did it do what it needed to do in eight weeks? I wouldn't shorten it. Okay. I think it did what it needed to do. I think I, because I wouldn't want to take any part of it out. Okay. So then my next question is assessments. How many? And like, so if we're thinking about this eight weeks, where did assessment cut into content? For Frankenstein, we had quizzes every Monday and we broke it up. I think uh, chapters one through 11, 11 to 15, 15 to 24 or something, some, some, something along those lines. So there was a, a quiz I would give. I'd never give tests. I'd never give tests. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in multiple choice. Like, I'm sorry, I just don't. I give uh, quizzes. They're all open-ended questions. And the last question is always the same. I present three images on my interactive display. I tell them, pick one and explain its importance in what you read. Love it. Because I want to know what they think. And then for PTA, we transitioned a little bit. They only had two quizzes, similar, you know, format. But then I had more one-pagers and more art-based and poetry-based. One, because of it's a novel in verse. And two, because we ended up, of course, going into po- National Poetry Month. So I remember one of their summatives actually was based on you re- You reminded me about Sestina's. Yes, and so baby. they all had to do one of their summatives was a punch in the air Sestina. <gasps> and they came out so cute. I was obsessed with some of them. And some of the kids struggled because, of course, like- Because they're hard. To- Yes. And you have kids that are, you know, more abstract thinkers, more figurative thinkers. But then you have those literal kids, literal kids that look at me like Miss Press. I cannot write this poem. I'm struggling. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it. And I would sit with them and I'm like, all right, let's think about this and try to like, you know, scaffold with them. But they, they got through it. And that was one of the summatives. So it was more like art based summatives for PTA. And then you had your two seminars. Yes. And then the two seminars. Was, it, was the first seminar at the end of Frank and the other one at the end of PTA? Yes. Okay. So it was like a midpoint and a final point. And an end point. So, mm-hmm. so like technically, if you wanted to call this two units, you could, right? So like if you're in another bell schedule situation, or if you were, you know, there are lots of ways I think to modify, but you would keep it how it is never changing, teaching yeah. it the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would. I will say though, I have to put this disclaimer. I have to, this was an honors class I, tre- I tested this with. Okay. So if I were to do it with one of my inclusion classes, I'm, I might shorten things a bit or just change them up. And that's something I'd have to like play with to like think about, but this was for an honors class. Yeah. And I think that that's part, exactly. And that's just letting go. I think a little bit more of just a little bit more of content and keeping the thread, like that's keeping the thread alive and letting a couple of the other details go. And I think that you could easily do it with a, with a gen ed class. No problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is so amazing. Tell me this is my last question. I want to hear about your favorite lesson and where and if I can find it somewhere and go do it. Okay. For me, it's always going to be the, oh my gosh, I'm going to say two. I'm so sorry. I can't pick, I can't pick one. (laughs) Do you think we have unlimited airwaves to just fill with ideas? We do. So tell me both. Tell me both. The first one, the the frolicky one. (laughs) I use this app called Goose Chase EDU. I love it. I pay for it. It's kind of expensive. I think it's like $40, not a month. I don't remember the, all, you know, the, the logistics of it, but if you use it, it's worth it. So I say, go for it. 
So basically it has them doing like a scavenger hunt and they're broken up in teams and I give them like 15 challenges and some of them are silly like frolic in the woods like Victor Frankenstein record a video submit it. Some of them are more serious. I'll give them a chunk of the text and I'll tell them to paraphrase it or add something that's missing or discuss it from somebody else's point of view. I love it. Um and so on and so forth. I told them to reenact like two scenes from the from the book. I told them to give me an alternative ending. And so all of these different little I told them to go to run to a science lab, like one of the science labs in class and pretend to be Victor Frankenstein making the creature. Um, so it was just like a day filled of fun. And, and they had so much fun. And it was a group competition. So of course, they were like running around trying to be the first ones. And they all asked to see everyone's submissions at the end. And I love that on that app, you can um, record video or pictures and, and assign points for, for different things. Cool. I also, by the way, if, if anybody doesn't want to do that on the app, I also tried it at the end of the year on Google Slides and it works just pretty much the same. It's just harder sometimes to upload things, you know, yeah. um, having Wi-Fi and things like that. But that is one of my favorite assignments. And then the last one I'll talk about is it was the final summative. It was the final summative where, and you helped me with this idea, they had to, on a blank piece of paper, draw half of Frankenstein's creatures face however they imagined it and half of Amal's face from punching the air however they imagined it and then they had to there was a lot of written content too they had to pick four quotes two from each novel that connected both characters and explained the connections they had to um I actually paired it with music lyrics too they had to read through some music lyrics and take out again four connections and they had to answer a final mini essay kind of question and then you know decorate it and, and all the things those were some of the most most beautiful pieces of art I've ever seen students create. And what a perfect way to teach synthesis without having to get into the nitty gritty of like the written version. Like when students can synthesize through art and through creativity, they, they can synthesize through writing. Like they're there, you've teed them up for that next level and they're going to never forget that. I mean, you've given them one of those flashbulb memories of high school that they're going to say, Oh, I connected the dots on these two things. I created this piece of art. I can do that in writing. And I'm sure another time you could even have them do some longer versions of writing, but we don't need to make this unit any longer, but that's awesome. <laughs> no. That's why I didn't make that last one like a big essay. Cause I could tell the kids were tired. It was close to the end of the year. But one thing that, um, it kind of made, sometimes, you know, we do all this work and you never really know, like, is it working? Am I doing it right? Am I doing enough? Like, those are questions that will forever plague me as a teacher. But I'll never forget one day one kid told me in class, I only come to school for your class. Like, that's the only reason I'm here right now. And it just, and it was during this unit. So it made me think like, wow, like, you really never know, like, how you're impacting them. So for all my teachers out there, like keep doing it because you are enough and then just, you know, keep creating is what I say. I I want to end with, I want to give you one more chance to say something brilliant like that, because my, my final question that I have here was to ask you, what advice would you give a teacher who's considering undergoing like a big unit design of something that feels intimidating, or they're going to try to tackle, you know, two novels at once. Like what advice would you give somebody in that kind of design paralysis, nervous state? (laughs) What would you say to them? And then we'll kind of see uh, where we go there. Okay. So number one, I'll take it back to be brave. Like you have to decide that you're going to do it and you're going to do it full out. Like no matter what, no matter if you're scared, that's okay. Number two, be intentional with every single thing and plan out every single thing ahead of time. 
in advance, like you taught me, minding that there will be days where there's fire drills and 300 meetings and you never got through the lesson. And there's days where the kids will need a mental health day and give that to them and say, forget the lesson plan today. I'm just letting you guys sit here and chill or take a nap or catch up or whatever you need to do and be mindful. They're going to need those days too. And the third thing I would say is be creative. Like do not be afraid to be creative and think outside the box, brain dump everything onto paper and then kind of pick and choose as you go about your day. Like you can find inspiration for things absolutely anywhere. You just have to be open to it. And just remember also the last thing, if you were a kid, a 16, 15, 17 year old kid, whatever in classes all day, remember to add something of fun because yes, these units to us, English teachers, oh my gosh, the literature and the words and the this and the that. But to a kid, a teenage kid, always remember to incorporate some type of element of fun, something that will be fun to make them laugh, to make them joyous, to give them movement in addition to the beauty of the content that you're that you're creating and that you're trying for them to take away from your unit. So inevitably, everyone listening is going to want to be following what you're up to and keeping in touch with you. So Anna, where can people find you when they scramble to get to their phones after this episode? (laughs) Um, I am Simply Anna P. That's my kind of my brand and my business. I have my website, simplyannap.com. I'm very active on TikTok. TikTok, <laughs> simply.anna.p. And I do also have Instagram, same handle, simply.anna.p. I'm trying to post more teachery things on there. I'm getting there slowly but surely. Uh, but those are the three main things that I use. And I guess I have a TPT store as well. So any of those items, all of them, simply P or a variation of that <laughs> wording with, with periods in between. Anna, you are a beautiful human. It is, it is a treat, a treasure, and an honor to know you as a teacher. Thank you for what you do for this community. Thank you for stepping up and like stepping into a world that's really, really hard right now to do the things that you did. I'm so grateful for your bravery and for just even being here, being brave enough to share your teaching story on a podcast. That's, that's also pretty brave. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. It was truly my pleasure. And I love you so much. Oh, love you right back. Okay, guys, I'm going to let this wrap up and we will be back next week with another episode. See you later. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.